Hello and welcome to the Agents of Game podcast. Uh, we have quite a bit of awesome stuff going on in the world of nerdliness, and so we will get the show going. <laughs> uh, before we get too far, uh, we'll just remind everyone that Dan has emphysema and will be coughing sporadically throughout the show. <laughs> too, much, Dan- too much marijuana. <laughs> well, it is almost Hanukkah, so yeah, gotta smoke that marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my word. Adam Sandler is rolling over in his grave. <laughs> if only he were in a grave. Can someone arrange that? Uh, um, yeah, Adam Sandler was great in his prime. Uh, yeah, he, well, he was much better in his prime than he is now. <laughs> that being said, though, I still I want to see Pixels. I can't help myself, but I want to see it. I haven't yet, but I still want to. I've heard it was supposed to be absolutely terrible, and with that in mind, it wasn't as bad as people were saying. That's not a ringing endorsement by any means, but... uh, (laughs) No, no, it's not. But it wasn't as bad as it was made out to be, I'll just say that, from from what everybody's saying who actually took the time to see it. Um, Before we get too far in, I wanted to uh, mention that uh, thank you to everyone who donated to our campaign, especially to Davis, um, who put in a a hefty little uh, amount of money to our uh, fundraiser last month. Um, As generous as it was, uh, we still have a ways to go to cover our current expenses and expand into some of the new projects we'd like to do. Uh, So if any of you are feeling particularly generous, we would be extremely happy to take your money. And maybe do something good with it. But probably not. It will be bad things, I'm sure. Or maybe get a curved UHD screen, 4K. You know, if people would donate that much, that would be ridiculously awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put you on that committee, Dan. There you go. Um, so there's been a lot of stuff going on, and as much as we talk about Star Wars, and we'll continue to do so, um, I'm going to start off with Star Trek. Uh, have you guys heard about the new TV series that's been announced? Yes. I have not, but again, I'm not a TV person usually, so... Well, apparently you won't be watching this one on TV, so you don't have to be a TV person. Um, there's a new Star Trek series announced for January 2017. Um, it's going to be run by Alex Kurtzman, who co-wrote and produced the Star Trek and Into Darkness movies. Basically the two ones that J.J. Abrams was involved with that came out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably going to have more, if you like the flavor of those movies, it's probably going to be a little bit more of that. Um, the The premiere episode will be on TV. Everything after that, you will have to be a subscriber to CBS All Access for $6 a month to be able to watch that show. Well, good luck with that, CBS, because I'm not paying 6 bucks for one show every month, sorry. Pretty much. That that seems to be the uh, universal response, because there's really not much else on CBS that I know that anyone would pay for. Yeah. That Supergirl Supergirl is doing CBS, well on CBS. It is. Yeah. I heard that it uh, dropped thirty percent of its ratings its second week. Uh, oh the man! Article that I read claimed that that was because it wasn't following the Big Bang Theory anymore, which could be true, or it could just be because the first episode wasn't that good. I'm on d- the second camp. 
I did hear, though, that despite the ratings drop, the second episode was better. Um, I don't watch live TV. I'm going to try to watch it online. I know the first episode was on Amazon. Um, so I'm going to try checking Amazon again for the second and third episodes. I've heard it's been getting better. Um, I will watch to try to find out. I don't trust CBS that much, though. Yeah, it it was better than the first episode. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, another little bit of news. Uh, for those who have been following the story of Daniel Fleetwood, um, the man with the terminal cancer who apparently had two months to live. Um, did you guys hear about that and want to see Star Wars? Yeah. I did hear about it. I, I don't follow the story, but I saw that he apparently did get to see the movie before he passed away, right? Yes. Uh, with four days before he died, he was able to see an unedited, unedited version of the movie with J.J. Abrams. So in some ways, he got to see more than we will because who knows how much is going to get cut out of the final version. That is true. That is a pretty good way to go. I, I think that's right up there in the top five ways to die. If you've got to go, watching Star Wars before anybody else, not a bad way to do it. Matt, you and I have been talking about trying to uh, do our own MS Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of uh, Mission Impossible 2. We've been talking about doing that for a few years, especially that yes. horrible motorcycle scene. Well, we might have our chance. Um, there is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 Kickstarter, and Joel Hodgson, the original creator of it, is looking for $2 million to start creating new episodes for the show. Um, and if you happen to have significant amounts of money, you could actually appear on the show or even potentially, uh, be one of the participants in the actual riffing. So if we could like raise some, uh, hefty cash, we could actually do an official mystery science theater 3000 of mission impossible Two. That would be quite amazing, except that I don't have any money to do that with <laughs> Neither do I. But I'm sure I know somebody who has two kidneys that are relatively healthy that I could dupe into coming to my house. And uh, Yeah, but a kidney's not going to sell for more than a couple thousand dollars. I don't know. I, I've heard they can go for, what, 50, 100? $100,000 for a kidney? Wow, I was thinking that would be like heart money. Well, you know... Not everybody needs a heart. We could always get people to part with that, right? <laughs> I figured. Either way, even if a kidney's only a couple thousand, I could get enough people to come over to to splurge for that. All right, well, that sounds like a plan. I don't know how much it's going to cost you in uh, coolers and ice, but I guess we can take a couple hits there for the for the cause. Well, in, you know, it doesn't have to be in ice the entire time. Just, you know, the last five minutes before you deliver it to keep up appearances, that's all that really matters. <laughs> Until somebody comes and wants their money back because the kidney doesn't work. Well, that's why I'm going to give them Dan's address. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Okay, moving on into games. Um, I haven't been playing a whole lot of the new Fantastic releases because of a variety of reasons. Uh, so mostly I've been grinding in GTA for some of their Halloween gear. 
um, trying to make some money in that. Uh, I've been leveling up in Elder Scrolls Online, trying to catch up with everybody else who's ahead of me. Um, and the one thing that I am a little bit more excited about is I'm getting ready for doing Minecraft Mondays. Uh, we're going to be opening up um, some people's uh, Minecraft worlds. We'll be playing on the Xbox One, and we're going to try to be doing a weekly event out of that, probably streaming on Twitch, and then doing some YouTube videos as well. So if any of you are listening and have Minecraft on the Xbox One and are interested, we will be starting that next week. Um, although we're calling it Minecraft Mondays, we do not know the specific day or time yet. Uh, as soon as we have that uh, solidified, we will let people know. Can Me you too. still call it Minecraft Monday if it's not on Monday? Because I think you should. Why not? Good answer. <laughs> it's always Monday somewhere in the world, right? Yes. They really need to add freaking dedicated servers to Minecraft on the consoles. Yes, they do. Although, given that I have two Xboxes, I could potentially run... Well, even with my one, I could probably run a near virtual server that could be up most of the time. Yeah. If people were interested. But yeah, dedicated servers would be the way to go. But uh, we will have to wait for that. So yeah, that's all that uh, I've been doing right now. I have not been able to get into Halo, Fallout 4, Rise of the Tomb Raider, or any of the other fantastic new releases. Um, so I just have to listen vicariously through others. That's what they invented Twitch for, isn't it? It's true. Like that. <laughs> all right. I'm sure Dan has lots to say about the new games because he keeps up with them too. But yeah, all I've seen, I've seen uh, good things. Everyone's saying good things about Fallout 4. Haven't played it. Uh, Halo 5 didn't get near as much uh, press coverage as I thought it would. But the reviews sounded positive overall. But again, I haven't played it. And I see a lot of stuff online about people extolling the, uh, what's the word, uh, desexification? I, I don't know, I can't remember the right word. Um, taking away Laura Croft's, you know, outrageous proportions and actually making her look like a real person. So well, there's been a lot of uh, positive feedback about that. Uh, let's see what I have been doing. I have been playing Minecraft again, of course, and I finally beat myself the Ender Dragon and the Wither. So I am feeling pretty good about my Minecraft world. Working on the nice. Beat achievement right now, and uh, I'm almost ready to take on a hardcore. I think. Now I will have you know that the uh, the Ender Dragon on PC is really weak, and so I think your achievements are nothing. I I am aware that you don't have to uh, climb up the the pillars in this until the next uh, the next update. <laughs> yes, I deride your Ender Dragon killing abilities. You no good Ender Dragon killer, you. Well, and I did use exploding beds for pretty much all of his damage, so that that made it a lot easier too. <laughs> but but to be fair, my end portal did spawn me in the middle of the void, so I died probably about five times before I was able to build a bridge over to the actual island to fight him. How did it? How did so, it spawn you somewhere without? That's weird. It it what happens is you you pop through the portal and you're on this. I think it's a a nine squares tile or however big the end portal is 
you are on a nine square tile, nine by nine tile of obsidian blocks, literally floating in midair. <laughs> That's crazy. Because didn't we spawn in a castle or something, Dave? Uh, no, we spawned underground at the edge of the void. Uh, but we just basically all we had to do was just dig our way over and up to be able to oh, get okay. uh, to where the Ender Dragon was. Yes, yeah, so I went in with full armor, full diamond enchanted armor, everything like that. Spawns me in the middle of the void. I get like three blocks down because I did bring blocks. I was prepared for the eventuality. And the Ender Dragon charged me and knocked me off into the void. <laughs> so I lost everything and had to spend <laughs> some time. I went back and I built my bridge before I started regrinding all of my, my gear and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> so it wasn't as easy as, as you made it out to be, Dave. Uh, ours definitely was. I mean, not only did we have several people in maximum diamond enchanted gear and weapons and potions and everything, um, I was ready to have to fight the Endermen too. And all the Endermen were spawned on the other side of the platform. And so I don't think we had to kill a single one. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it wow. was, uh, well, and I don't know if this is something, maybe it's only PC version, but at least in the end, if I happened to aggro an Enderman, all I had to do was whack it once and it would de-aggro on me. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But let's see. The Wither, that was pretty intense. Um, a Notch Apple and some regeneration potions kept me through, you know, kept me healthy and I was able to kill him. But that guy is nuts compared to the Ender Dragon. Holy cow. Let's see. What else have I done? Uh, let's see. Oh, the Hearthstone... October season ended, and I finally made my personal goal of getting to rank 5, which is the top 2% of the players, the ranked players in Hearthstone. Very nice. In our region, so I was pretty happy about that. And let's see, what else? I think that's actually probably about all I've done for, for games. I'm, I'm grinding Hearthstone again because it resets every month, so, but yeah. You like that um, Explorer expansion, or well, that was very the easy to. Expansion doesn't actually release until tomorrow. Um, oh, okay. There was a bug where people that paid cash, you know, like actual money for it instead of the in-game currency, were able to access it early, but Blizzard locked them out and took the items away until the official release tomorrow. So. But uh, honestly, with how poorly the Grand Tournament went card-wise, uh, a lot of these cards aren't looking that great either. And they they only re announced this about a week ago, so there wasn't any huge fanfare or anything like that, and that makes me kind of wonder, you know, are, are they kind of struggling to come up with with good cards right now? Are they too afraid to nerf the good cards that are holding other cards back? Um, I mean, they they put a new mechanic called Discover in with this one, and from what I understand, when you play a card and it has the Discover <laughs> keyword, it will basically give you an option of three cards to add to your hand, and they don't have to be in your deck already. But they are completely random, so you have no idea what you're going to get, except for, you know, like, it's a discover a spell. 
So you get three random spells to pick from, or discover a, a minion. You get three random minions to pick from. So, <laughs> one of the things that that you don't like when you're playing card games is randomness. So right. you try and cut back as much of that as you can when you build your decks and things like that. And so a mechanic, again, that adds more randomness to it, I'm not sure if it's going to do very well. But uh, time will time will tell. There do seem to be a couple solid cards. Um, I haven't looked through every single one, but I've watched a couple of the, the popular streamers talk about them. And, you know, the majority, of course, are stuff that just does not compare to what's already in the game. So you're going to be like, you know, why would I even bother with this? But uh, if if even, you know, one or two cards come and make an impact in the metagame and change up some, some of the bell, the current card decks that are going around, I think that'll still be a win for them. Gotcha. So have you been feeling that uh, since they opened up the game after nerfing, um, oh, why can't I remember the name of the deck? Um, it's the Patron Warrior. Yeah, does it seem like it's a little bit more open and playable in general, or has it not much changed? There have been a couple of changes. Uh, the Hearthstone World Championship was this last weekend, and the winner, the grand champion for all of Hearthstone in 2015, he was running a modified patron deck. So <laughs> the nerf <laughs> obviously didn't kill the deck. I played it a couple of uh, for a couple of days this week on the uh, ranked ladder, and I've been having some fair success with his deck. And uh, the one of the semifinalists, I was playing his deck too, but I was running into very bad matchups with it. So on the ladder, I'm not quite sure if it's if it's gonna be a huge problem again, like it was before. But at least for the tournament setting, it does still seem to be around. Uh, let's see, what's what else have I been running into on the ladder? The the other thing that uh, is kind of dominating right now is the Secret Paladin, where they play a whole bunch of these cards that you don't know the effect until a specific action happens. Normally, that's not a huge deal, but the Paladin has a card where you play it, you get a 6 uh, health and six attack minion on the board for six mana, but he summons all of your secrets that you have in your deck for you automatically into play. So he's a pretty broken card right now as well, and uh, I haven't seen as many of those on the ladder in this past week, but uh, it was making a big splash after the uh, Grim Patron Warrior nerf. Good times. <laughs> yeah, I could go on about Hearthstone for a while, but I'm sure we want to move on. Um, the The World Championship was probably the big thing. Oh, the other thing that was surprising, too, about the World Championship, that uh, the player that won, his name is Oskaka, in case anybody wanted to know or you know was offended that I didn't mention it before. Um, he was running what most players consider one of the weakest decks in the game right now, and that was the Oil Rogue. And the problem with the Oil Rogue is not necessarily that it's a weak deck, it's that it's 
been basically unchanged for the last year or so. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the last expansion was terrible for new cards. Um, so that was kind of a huge surprise. And again, he won with that patron deck that everybody was hoping had gotten nerfed into the ground. So I wouldn't say that the nerf has had as much impact on the game as they would have liked. And I'm just kind of wondering if they're taking this, uh, this new adventure as some time to, to regroup and maybe come up with some better mechanics. Cause yeah, they've been kind of flat lately. I wouldn't want to be responsible for balancing something that complex because anytime there's a card game like that or a MMO or something where they rebalance the classes, it always has unintended consequences. And I just, I would not want to be responsible for that. You're definitely right. I mean, they changed one card and that just because that deck no longer exists, it affects the balance of every other class in the whole game, you know? So it's it's a very difficult juggling act, but I think it's something that they still have to do because then the card game gets stale otherwise, you know? This is true. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Mostly Minecraft and um, Hearthstone. I haven't been playing any uh, Armella lately, unfortunately. I'm just not feeling it right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, have you been uh, uh, any luck with the... Oh, dang, I'm going to have to edit this. I Are we talking think. about Overwatch? Yeah, have you gotten into the uh, Overwatch no, uh, alpha? I wish, but uh, I have not. I've read some of the stuff about it, and you know they have some pretty common complaints. It's a team-based shooter. So I, there aren't any like free for all matches and stuff like that, so I, which you could do on Halo and things. It's always based on a team, and there's some characters that basically there there are characters that are always good, and then there are the characters that are really good if you have a team built to support them. And so it's kind of like you know, since it's a free for all as far as picking and things then it's harder for people to to want to play those other characters that need the support to do well. And so everybody ends up playing just the overall good characters. Yeah, it looks like it's been pretty good. But a lot of people are saying that it feels like a free-to-play game, which is fine if it's a free-to-play game. Uh, but since they've announced that it's not a free-to-play game and will also be coming out for the Xbox One and the PS4... Um, some people are have mixed things because, yeah, it'll be cool to play it on the consoles, but on the other hand, do we want to be paying $60 for this on consoles? That is a very good point. I was rather upset that it was going to be a paid game. Um, a company like Blizzard, I think that they can make more money by going the free-to-play route because they don't need the money up front. And so they can do, like, you know, League of Legends, Heroes of the Storm. You can play the game for free, and then you buy your cosmetics items and things like that. Or you can, you know, buy your experience packs or who, you know, whatever. So when I found out that you had to pay to play the game, I am basically not going to play it 
if I get into beta, say, and then I have to buy the game later, I will just stop playing it once I have to pay for it. Well, you said earlier that they could afford to pay for it after they could afford to be free to play after they uh, bought King for six billion dollars. I'm not (laughs) sure if they can right now. I I would assume that Candy Crush is going to be making up that money for them very quickly. Yeah, Candy Crush is still making money. I think they said last year that it made like two point one billion. I'm not sure if that's profit or just the money they made before expenses. Um, but they've also said they've been losing players and losing revenue. So, yeah, Candy Crush is going to be continuing to be successful, but it can't be a one-trick pony if they're going to want to recoup that money. Yeah, that's true. And that's the other problem with uh, one-trick pony game companies. I mean, yes, you can create something that's hugely uh, successful, but people are always looking for, you know, the next big thing. So it's going to, you have to keep innovating and things like that. So, I mean, which is good that Blizzard, because a while, for a while, Blizzard was basically stuck in World of Warcraft. That was Blizzard. And they finally realized, you know, people are getting tired of, of this game. We can try and reinvigorate it, but we need to branch out. And that's when they started doing Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm and and now I think they're in an amazing position. Uh, again, I'm not thrilled with the Overwatch being a pay game, but they're still definitely going to stay one of the top gaming companies. Dan, are you dead? Nope, I am here. Okay. <laughs> are you Are you playing right now, out of curiosity? No, I'm just reading stuff. Okay. Oh, I'm um, sorry that I bored you with my Tales of Hearthstone. <laughs> oh, no. Dude, if I played Hearthstone, then it'd be easier for me to follow what you're talking about, but since I do not, it's uh, <laughs> it's hard to even know. Well, it I've... is, in my opinion, still the best free-to-play game out there. Um, it's still, I think, the best way to sp- to spend time and not pay actual money. Yeah, I'm I'm on the fence with Overwatch because, like, on the one hand, I'm excited to hear those coming for Xbox One, but then from what I saw, I don't see putting sixty dollars into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with um, I don't agree with games like single player experiences can be pretty pretty deep and last quite a while. So sixty dollars for a only single player game, I can understand most of the time. Sometimes not even then, but um. But multiplayer only games, I think, should only be forty bucks or something. I just I don't see how they can charge full price when all they're giving is a multiplayer um, option for the game. But that's just yeah, me because no, I don't no story, no no co op mode or anything. It's all multiplayer. Yeah, I agree with you. it doesn't. It feels like half a game. So, but that's just is that just the alpha that's that way, or has that been officially announced that there will be no story, there will be no co-op mode? It's just going to be straight up multiplayer. Yeah, it's just multiplayer. Yeah, for Overwatch, it's, uh, it is. That's that's the game. Yep. Yeah, I was and excited like I said, for free to play. I think it would be a great experience, but yeah, I, it's not worth paying money for upfront. Yeah. yeah, I think that they. Um... I think they would have been more successful doing free to play than what they're doing. But 
Well, they might just be hoping that uh, I'm. I'm not sure what they're doing with content after if basically every once you buy the game, everything is free. Um, but they might be just hoping to cash in on people not knowing any better and then drop prices or something. Um, this was off, and this is a terrible comparison. But I remember when the Xbox One first came out, there was um, Angry Birds Star Wars. I think it was Angry mm-hmm. Birds Star Wars. $60. Yeah, that's you ridiculous. Angry Star Wars for $60. $60 for Angry Birds Star Wars? I got it on my yes. Android for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. well, I'd... it's it's on console, and so they think that people are going to be stupid and do it, and I'm sure some people were, but, but it's just... Uh, it almost feels like that's what they're trying to do. It had to have sold, like, five copies of that game. I'm going to look up and see. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, now I was um, when I when I quit playing World of Warcraft, I was looking for a game to play, and League of Legends is what I stumbled into. Now, what what drew me to the game was the fact that it was free; I could play it and try it for free. And as I played it, the more I played it, I'm like, you know, all right, this is a good game. This is giving me a lot of value. I want to reimburse these guys. I want to do something for them, and so I felt better about buying the cosmetic skins and stuff like that that you know they don't increase my ability to play the game or anything like that but i felt good about doing it so i think that that the fact that they are kind of trying to hedge their bets maybe a little bit making people pay for it up front maybe they're not very confident about how well the game is going to do yeah i guess time will tell and there's enough time between now and when the game releases that they could clarify that there's more content than we expect, or hopefully, if there's not more content than we expect, there's enough backlash that they'll drop the price or something. Well, I'm sure, unless the game goes like dismally south, I'm sure that they will continue to develop content for it. But again, you're probably going to have to pay for it. See, this is my this is my issue with. Um, what I see kind of what they're doing and what could be a problem in the industry as a whole. It seems like more and more developers are going the way of early access without early access. So here, let's put out a game, sell it full price. We know we have to work on it, but we'll just keep working on it after we sell the game. Instead of thinking of the, you know, let's put out a complete game and then add content to the game. It's more like, let's get it out, get get the money to fund the rest of the project. And to me, that's just oh, such a bad way of going about things. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Dan, because um, I talked a couple weeks ago about the game uh, Brigador on Steam that I was playing. That's the one. Uh, it's the isometric 3D view, and you go around in your mech and you blow stuff up. Uh-huh. Uh, that's exactly the model that they used. They released it for $20 on Steam, and you got basically the core gameplay. And then they stated that they were going to add in different features later on. Yeah. And I, I haven't followed the game at all, so I don't know if that's working for them. But yes, wasn't that a uh, happens. Wasn't that an early access game, though, or no? Well, yes, they released it as early access. So basically, okay. you're what you're saying was yeah. correct is they released the game. They knew it I wasn't mean, done yet. But yeah, what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is releasing games as they're full. Like, 
oh, not doing early access. Them as full. Yes, okay. so they're releasing them like as if it was a full game, but really what they're doing is releasing a partially created game, and then they're like, "Well, we need to fund, we need to fund the game, and so let's just get it out there, get the money from the sales, and then we'll fund the game that way instead of actually completing the game." That's a trend <clears> that I can <throat> see. <clears throat> becoming yeah <laughs> becoming a problem in the game gaming industry just because it is i mean if you think about it that's a good way to do it you aren't you aren't banking on um not getting sales at that point you know kind of what your player base is and stuff but that's not that's not what gamers are paying for if i'm paying 60 bucks or more for a game it should probably be a finished finished game oh absolutely but, but i just see that i see that could be issues with Especially with the way some games, especially a multiplayer-only game like like Overwatch, you could definitely see that being an issue. But yeah, but like I, seeing them add in later, like new game modes or something like that, maybe after the fact. Yeah, like only like games that only release with one game mode and like five maps have me really suspicious. <laughs> and yeah, like, and you just can't do that. For it. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm not a fan of PvP as much as I used to be. So, uh, if a game doesn't really grab me, then, um, yeah, I I would never buy a multiplayer only game for that reason because it has to be a, it would have to be a really good multiplayer experience for me to not play Battlefield or yeah, I definitely other agree with games. you there too, Dan. I mean, multiplayer. Unless you just take to it like a fish takes to water, and you're just owning everybody, it it does it gets old really fast. Especially if it's a team game where you got you know one person that's kind of weak, and then other people are like blaming everything on them, and it just creates a big sea of negativity. And and it's oh, yeah. so nice to sit back and and play a single player game and and just be like, yeah, I'm doing stuff, I'm having fun. Yeah, having a having a group. We talked about that. I think a few weeks ago, but uh, having a group definitely helps. Like, I just think back um, back when Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 came out, we had a uh, almost a weekly get-together with four friends where we'd play Left 4 Dead and um, and other co-op games in there as they released. But um, but now it's hard. Like Halo, I never got four friends, four friends or even a common group of friends to play through Halo in co-op at all. And... Um, that used to be something that was just I love doing co-op games, but it, can, it hardly ever happens anymore just because people are so busy or um, schedules are so different. Definitely. The, the, for multiplayer games, I mean, I I just there's no way I'd play it on my own. Not yeah, no way at all. That really was an amazing group we had back then to be able to oh, go for just so many of those four. And we know that we had a guaranteed group of four players, and if someone couldn't be there, we had a fifth or a sixth that were regular with the group too. And yep. it was so so great to always have that, just be able to go through so many of the co-op games that were out back then. Yep, and then life happens. Yay. <laughs> yes, yes it does. All Sometimes right, I... so are you ready to tell us about... Fallout 4 and Halo 5? Yes, let me start with the two smaller, not necessarily smaller, well, one of them is pretty small, but the two smaller things before I get to the big ones. But um, I just want to say, for people that do like uh, two-player co-op games and action RPGs or whatever, maybe I talked about this, I can't remember the last podcast we did, but um, Divinity, I've been playing through with my brother, 
uh, Divinity Original Sin on the Xbox One. And um, it's really good. Uh, I love the combat in that game. It's turn it's turn based combat, and um, we talked about that before too. But it's uh, isometric camera. Um, actually, it's it's not stuck anymore on PC when it first came out. It was stuck. Now they let you move the camera around and stuff. So I don't know what that'd be considered. Is that still considered isometric since it's above you? I don't know. I anyway, don't know what, bird's eye maybe, but yeah, I, I understand. Diablo Diablo style camera and stuff, but you have. You have your two your two characters. Everything can be done together or separately. Like if I wanted to, I could go. Oh, except within the load zone, I guess I should put that on there. So as long as you're both in the same load zone, um, uh, my brother could be in town doing stuff with the merchants and getting his guys geared up and stuff, while I could be out like questing. Um, I wouldn't recommend that because sometimes the battles are really hard by yourself. But uh, but it's just cool to have a, a game like that where you're not stuck together the whole time. Uh, Diablo was actually like that, and they did they did even one step further because with Diablo you can go anywhere you want within the game without your people with you. But um, anyway, Divinity Original Sin. If you're looking for a good call game, boom, right there, good one. Uh, I started Tomb Raider. I only did the first three levels because Fallout is just sucking my life away. I honestly haven't ate anything but snack food till tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys. If you guys see me and I've lost a lot of weight, next time you see me, you'll know why. Um, it's the special Fallout diet. But um, sounds like a plan. Yeah, <laughs> I hear it's really healthy too. But uh, actually, this morning is funny because um, uh, I was feeling lightheaded, and I was talking to somebody on the phone. Oh, I was talking to Brennan. Called me to talk to you about Fallout, and I was like, "Man, I'm feeling really lightheaded," and I was like, "Oh, that's probably because I'm at eight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's ridiculous um but uh but anyway so i i tried some uh tomb raider the other the other night before i went to bed just to try to get some in just so that i could talk about it and uh first of all i just gotta say tomb raider is gorgeous like seriously probably one of the best looking games i've ever played hands down and uh the snow in there is amazing too but anyway just a beautiful game and it plays beautiful too like the controls um, is that puffing really bad in my mic whenever I talk or say something? Uh, no, a little bit, but not okay. too bad. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, the controls are really well done. Like they're responsive and it's just a ton of fun. Um, in the first couple levels, they do a lot of setup. And so you're doing a lot of, um, like, uh, um, scripted events, but there's this one where you're running across the mountain while an avalanche is coming at you and, um, the mountain's like tumbling and the cliff is falling and you're like jumping from cliff to cliff and like snow is falling all around behind you, like coming in through the avalanche. It looks beautiful. Sounds amazing. Like honestly, just amazing. It it blows me away. <laughs> that does sound pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say. Yeah. It, uh, just a beautiful game. Honestly, I just, oh, but I got to the first hub because um, they do it kind of like Borderlands or the last game where you have a hub area that's sandboxy, but it's like small. Um, it's not like a full sandbox like GTA. It's just like an area of the sandbox. Anyway, I don't know. I think they call it hubs. But I got to the first hub area in the mountains where it's all snowy and stuff. So in Siberia. So I haven't done too much gameplay. But from what I played, they do a tutorial mission in Siberia. And then they flash back to Syria tutorial for combat and the new tombs that they're doing in the game because supposedly well 
I can't say spoiled because I actually did it. In the first, in the Tomb Raider, the reboot a few years ago, the tombs were really weak sauce. Like, they're like little caves, and you go in, and you, like, figure out this puzzle of opening a uh, door, and then you open up a chest, and you get, like, a special item or whatever. Um, and people were really bummed about that because the tombs weren't, like, exploratory or anything. Well, now... pretty weak sauce, yes. Yeah, yeah, like, the game was amazing, but the tombs were very weak sauce. Um, now they made the tombs, like, their own hub. Like, that's how big they are. They're huge. And so the tutorial, uh, tomb was just really fun. A lot of cool puzzles and stuff. And, um, gotta say, the hair, the hair physics they're doing now, um, in that game, and I can't remember what they're called for them. It's, like, hair effects or tray effects or something like that. I can't remember. But, um, holy crap. Her hair is amazing. Like, Every strand, like, it rests on her on her shoulder, and, like, it'll split up. It's not just one texture, like, there. It's amazing. I almost wanted to make a video of her hair, because there's a part where it gets all wet, and she, like, uh-huh. takes the ponytail, and she, like, squeezes water out of it, and then she, like, wow. puts it back. Yeah, she puts it back on her shoulder, and it, like, splits up over her shoulder. It doesn't just, it's not just one piece. And I was just like, holy crap, that is amazing hair. But, uh... Yeah, it's just a gorgeous game, and I really expect it to be really good. The review, the one review I read on it before it came out, because I was really curious um, if they were going to be able to, you know, if Lightning was going to hit twice with them, and I, I just think they've got an amazing development team there. But uh, the review said it was just amazing. Like, they gave it a 9.5 or 9.6, I can't remember what it was. And they just said everything about it was just amazing. So I was kind of excited to get it started, but I just know Fallout is going to suck suck me in for a good little bit. So I just want to try it out. So, but everything I've, I've seen so far is just beautiful and it plays well. And if you're a fan of Tomb Raider, you'll definitely probably like this game. Um, definitely probably for sure. But, uh, very nice. Yeah. So, um, Halo five, I'll talk about first cause that's been out the longest. Um, I did enjoy the campaign. I only played it co-op with my brother through, um, the first time we just played it on normal just to get through the story so there's no spoilers for us. Um, and I enjoyed the story a lot. I liked I liked that it surprised me because they did some things that I really uh, wasn't expecting. And so I really I really liked that part of it. It shows that they're, you know, they're trying to... Uh, 343 is, you know, trying to set themselves apart from Bungie. And the level designs were great. I love vehicle-focused levels in Halo. They're always the best levels to me in each of the Halos. And uh, classics that come to mind is from the first Halo, Assault on Control Room, and um, the, uh, um, now I can't even think of the name, uh, Silent Cartographer. Those are two, Silent Cartographer just uses the oh, Warhog, yeah. but it was a fun, it was like a open sandbox level. It's the only time Halo's really ever done that. Um, but uh, so you had the whole island to yourself. You could do it any way you wanted, and the story would change cinematics according to what you did first and stuff. I thought that was really cool back then. But um, anyway, so a lot of the levels, I'd say probably four or five of them, are on the same scale as Assault on, on Control Room. Like, just b- huge battles going on, lots of vehicles and stuff. So, I mean, it was just, I was loving it. Like, the the ramp up to the end was just amazing. I thought it was epic. Um... And multiplayer, I'm re- I really like Warzone a lot. There's a lot of issues they need to work out for balancing, and like, um, so it's not just uh, the same thing every time. And for their lack of maps for Warzone, it gets even worse because there's only three maps, 
and you're doing the same three objectives every game. So you have three maps, three objectives every time. And so it, it does get um, a little bit weary. If they had more objectives, like dynamic objectives or something in play, like they do the bosses, but the bosses show up in the same order in the same place every time, so it's not dynamic. So if they had something that was a little more... Uh, I don't know what they could do, but just something to make it so that the fight wasn't always in the same places. Um, it would be good yeah, for them. Yeah, get monotonous. Yeah, um, but I mean, over time, they'll add more maps and stuff. And it is, for uh, without going into detail, for being their first time out, uh, it does play really well. Just They just need some balancing stuff there. Uh, one of the biggest things, if people who played it are listening will immediately know that I, what I'm talking about, but the uh, point system for killing the bosses is uh, last last shot gets the points. So um, each team has to get to a thousand points to win. And the bosses, they're called legendary bosses. They each give 150 points for kills, and then you have the minor bosses that give anywhere from 50 to 25 points per kill. And any of those bosses, uh, you can have like one time we literally have like five or six of our teammates, which is half the team, working on a boss. And then an uh, enemy team teammate came in and uh, used a banshee and rammed into the boss and killed him at the last second. So they got all the points for that kill. Wow. And they didn't have to do anything. And so it's just like one of those things where if you really want it to be a tug-of-war, you should have the point system be a tug-of-war point system. Like, I think they should have it where... It's a damage damage point system. So if you do eighty percent of the of the damage, you get eighty percent of the points. If you do mm-hmm. the other twenty percent, you get the twenty percent, and then you have a kill bonus. So whoever does get the kill gets a little bonus. But to yeah, me, that, that makes it to me actually. Yeah, that makes it way more of a tug of war, even in the boss fight. So it's not just a straight up, you know, kill they get points. So yeah, that um, kind of encourages griefing, you know, exactly, and and taking out the other. Like picking off the team just to get the last kill. Yeah, so, and that you know, that's what a lot of people do. They'll wait back with their fusion rods or rocket launchers, let the other team use all their ammo and time working until they get low, and then they'll come out with their fire weapons and take it out instantly. So, I mean, in a way, you could say that's just a strategy. That's how it works. But at the same time, it happens way too often where the people that should get points just don't. <laughs> well, and so it is a strategy, nothing. it's just not a fun strategy for yeah. people that get screwed. Realist, in my opinion, doing nothing should never be a viable strategy. Exactly. Yes. That's and, exactly. And they're being rewarded for a certain amounts of the time doing nothing. Yes, they are planning to do something and then doing something at the very end, but they're sitting around doing nothing for a while, and that should never be a viable strategy. Yep. Yeah. And then the another there's another group of people that want it to be the same point system but just going to the majority damage dealer so which would be better than it is now um anyway but um but yeah so i mean both of those would be be better so but uh but as warzone yeah they definitely uh they definitely did a good job with that the arena mode I actually have enjoyed i had a good night last week where i was playing with a friend and his friend and it's only four players this week i think they added big team battle i haven't been on this week yet but uh um yeah i know they at least have announced that they're adding it i don't know if it's in the game yet but it's been announced yeah 
So there, it's only eight players right now for the arena mode, which is a bunch of small maps um, designed more for the esports scene. And um, and I'm I actually enjoy it more than I thought I would because I usually am really bad at those. Actually, I'm still bad at it, but I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. There's one match where I went 0 and 19 in the match, but <laughs> to defend myself, it was an objective based one. So you had to take bases to score, and I did have a lot of points for that. So I was still doing well, the objective, go, but, yeah. but I just couldn't kill anybody. But um, I am so bad in Halo at killing people. It's just insane. Like, when there's no shields involved, I'm okay. But when there's shields involved, I just... I'm not a headshot person. That's where my weakness comes in. But, um, but anyway, they, uh, they did a good job with the arena mode. I really like it. The one mode, Breakout, is a one-life uh, mode. And everybody starts with the same weapons. And it's a power weapon rush. Um, so it's okay. I, I don't like that as much as the normal modes. But, um... But we'll see with Big Team Battle. I'm interested to see what they do for those maps. The one complaint I had about the maps is um, that it feels like they made a lot of them using the Forge mode that the, that the community gets on December. And the thing that bugs me about it, that's fine if they're going to do that. But if they're going to do that, they should have like 50 maps, not 11. Because in my mind, if you're a developer using the same tools that the community is going to be using to make your maps, and I'll explain why I have why I've come to this conclusion. So I could be totally wrong, but I'll explain why. Um, if you're a developer doing that, you, that's a weak a weak route to go in my mind. Kind of lazy. Um, I want specialized. Like there is no map in Halo One where any map looked like another map. That's what made it so great because you're playing on different maps all the time. And so it kind of annoys me in Halo 5 when I'm doing arena mode because the same, not the same layout, but the same uh, arena. So the skybox is the same and the edge of the level is the same. So like, uh, say you're on a oil platform, that oil platform is going to be there, but they're going to count it four levels as being different levels, even though it's all using the oil platform. So what they do is use the, the forge mode to edit the objects within the boundaries. So... So within the boundaries, it's a different layout, so a different level, quote-unquote, but you're actually still playing in the same level. And to me, that's just really lazy. Um, so that really bugged me, because I went through each of the maps in custom game mode. I wanted to check them out and see, um, you know, just see what they're like. And it just blew me away. I was like, dude, this looks exactly like the last level, except this object has moved over here, and this object has moved. It just blew me away. So yeah, yeah it kind of sound pretty pretty cheap. Yeah, it kind of disappoint me, and the fact that they're using the forge mode, or in my assumption that they are, is the levels don't look near as pretty as the levels like in Warzone, where they're designed specifically for that mode. Because man, there's this one level I was in. I was like, dude, it looks like a kid put this level together because of how ugly it was. Like honestly, it was really bad. I was really surprised. But wow. But um. But yeah, so, I don't know. Those of you playing might not notice it as much as I did or whatever. I, it's because I went through down the list, like, in order. So it was really noticeable to me. But maybe when you're playing it, it's not as noticeable. And maybe even people don't realize it. Maybe they think they're on the same level that they were just on, not realizing that it's actually called something different. Um, so, But there are some good ones that they did make. Like, there's the midship remake, which which is, you know, it was custom built. And then they have the ruined version of that. I can't remember what it's called. I think Regret. 
which is midship that crash landed and over the years of the Covenant War has decayed and then you're fighting there again. And uh, so that one looks really good. So there is some good good looking levels, but there's just a good chunk of them that I'd say there's probably four custom made levels. All the rest are all forged. Forged with uh that, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean good good return to form. I, I enjoyed Halo. I like the weapons. Controls were fantastic, very smooth. Um I did get the Elite controller. And uh that thing is just a godsend for shooters and for Halo it just was amazing. I never have to take my thumbs off joystick because I got those uh bumpers underneath now. Or the paddles, really nice. I guess they're called. Yeah, so Ooh, I can jump and use my armor abilities without ever losing my aim and oh I was struggling with it and then the next the day after it came out I got the Elite Controller. Set my so I only use two of the paddles, it comes with four underneath, but I only use two. I have my jump on left paddle and my um, armor ability on right paddle because um, they're both or my uh, click was for armor ability was on uh, my right joystick and so when I try to do the ground pound which is where you hover up in the air and you charge up your thrusher and you slam on the ground I couldn't aim it very well because I was clicking it and aiming at the same time so I was like moving it way out of control and so once I did that it was just I never missed it was amazing the difference but um, but yeah, so that made a big difference on, on Halo. And it actually, uh, for other games, it's really nice having those paddles. Uh, GTA for my e-brake, uh, before I had to take my thumb off the look around or whatever to the, to, um, use my e-brake. Now I just e-brake and I can look around and make minute adjustments as I'm e-braking and, and stuff. So that's kind of nice. But, um, so anyway, Halo 5, good. Two thumbs up. Yes. Uh, now Fallout is the big one, and this I was excited for because they've really only showed what they showed at E3. They haven't really shown anything beyond that, so which is really cool because you're still going in with a a blind a blind eye on what they're doing for the most part. But the thing that got me excited at E3 was seeing their crafting system that they're putting in the game, which is totally optional. You don't have to do their crafting side of the game. But it looks um, so incredible. Yeah. Oh, you'd be dumb not to. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, they made it so that the crafting system could be completely separate. It doesn't hurt you, de- hurt you or your experience if you just decide to let it go. Um, but if you do have it, which that's why I'd say you'd be dumb not to, is you get a much deeper RPG experience because what they did is they made it so within the stronghold zone for where you can build... You can build freestyle anywhere in that zone. Um, it gives you like a green border in the game. So some zones are like the size of a gas station and then the, the parking lot. Other zones, like the big one that I'm in right now, is the size of a subdivision. And then I just got a stronghold the other day that's an old uh, drive-in theater. So it's like this huge parking lot with the drive-in theater and the, the theater screen and then the projection building in the back. Like that oh, nice. like, huge area and it's open. So you can build whatever you want within there but i'm waiting to find out how i can move my um population because if if i can move my population i'm going to actually use that drive-in theater as my main hub and just build like a massive shelter there but um but i haven't found out how to move my population yet so we'll see what happens there but anyway um so the night the game came out came out at 11 o'clock 
Uh, I went to bed that morning. I think it was seven o'clock. Um, so I played from eleven to seven, and I never even left the starting area. I never even did the first quest because I got stuck doing the crafting and the gathering <laughs> in <laughs> in the subdivision where you start. So. Um, so I did, I think I, I think I left a little bit of, of the area actually come to think of it. Cause I had to go get this armor that, um, that I knew about that was over a hill from where the subdivision was. So I went to get some power armor right away. But other than that, I was just doing pure crafting. So the first, uh, what is that? Eight hours of the game. I was playing just in that subdivision doing the crafting. Um, so that's pretty crazy. And actually my first wow. craft, yeah, the first place I built was at this gas station, um, and then later they, after I finished the first mission, they do a tutorial on crafting and they force you to build stuff in the subdivision. So all the stuff I spent all that time building didn't matter because I had to redo it at this other place. <laughs> and so I wasted all the resources because now that the gas station stronghold is just sitting there. Nobody's there. There's no population. There's no, um, they have all these turrets and these guard towers and like all these, blockades and stuff up oh, and they just man. yeah nothing so that kind of sucks because my my current my current stronghold at the division would be way stronger right now if i didn't waste all those resources but so basically you once you back? place it, you can't move it uh yeah because you you can move it within the, the borders but um there's no way to move it from stronghold to uh any other stronghold unless you break it down so and when you break it down you lose material so I just figured I'd leave it up there, and if I if I need to, I'll set up like the turrets along the road, so that if I'm ever traveling or if anything bad comes along the road towards the other subdivision, then the turrets can work on them. But uh, as is now, yeah, it's just a waste of time. <laughs> but I learned a lot about it, about the way the mechanics work because there, of it. There you go. Yeah. But um. So yeah, the crafting is just insane. I. I still have yet to probably go more than a few miles from from the area because I just pick up everything because everything can be used for material. So I'll go through, I'll find like a dungeon, clear it, get all the material. It'll take like three loads to get everything back to base because it's so heavy. And then I'll rinse and repeat, go and uh, go wander, find somewhere else, loot the area, and then go deposit. And then I'll once I get a nice supply, then I'll build, get some defenses up. You know, like I just got done building my my farm up um and then i'll build up my weapons because you can also customize your weapons and your armor and build them up and upgrade them and i mean it's just insane everything is craftable it's crazy it boggles my mind but uh one of the cool things too that they did which i did not know they were going to do that is a um, extension of the crafting is they have a um oh man i can't think of the right word for it. a community management game in there as well so each stronghold can have a community there and you have to keep their happiness up to a certain level and they include like all all their needs like they have to have a bed to sleep in they have to have enough food enough water um they have to have enough defense so they feel safe um and then you have to assign each each individual in your in your stronghold you have to assign them certain responsibilities so like my farm is getting really big so I have I have like five of my people on the farm alone, and then I have the other uh, five or so on defense. I'm trying to think what my other my one chick is a druggie. She just sits in her chair all day. 
I made the mistake because <laughs> she was my gardener, and then she was telling me that she could predict the or not predict the future, but see if the future. And so I could use her to help me get my find my kid again. Uh-huh. And and so I did it the first time, and she wanted uh, these drugs. And so when I did it, like three people got mad at me, and I was like, "What the heck?" And so then the next time I did it, and like. Uh, two people got mad at me, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so then I um, I talked to her about it, and I was like, you got to, you know, stop doing this. You can't use drugs. I can do this on my own, you know. And, <laughs> and she's like, she's like, you, you're so naive. You don't understand and all this stuff. But then after the, after the fight with her, um, two of the people, you know, my respect went up with them again. So I was like, okay, good. I'm back on the right track. Well, then she's like, well, can you give me a chair? Can you make me a chair? Because my old bones are getting so, um, so painful or my, my old bones hurt so much that I need somewhere to sit and rest, you know, and like, all right. So I built her this chair and she never leaves the chair now. So I lost a gardener there, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I had to get that back up again. But anyway, so I got, I've got my farmers and my defenders and I kind of think there's another job there and I can't remember what it was, but anyway, so that's pretty cool. I like that aspect of it. And that's, I'm, I'm level, I just hit level 13 before we got on for the podcast tonight. And I've yet to do the second main story mission. And I've only done random missions that I've stumbled upon. Um, and also clearing dungeons. That's, that's where I'm getting my XP. But you also get a lot of XP for crafting and, and building and stuff like that too. So I'm already level 13 just from doing all that stuff. It's crazy. But my brother is in the same place as far as like doing missions goes that I've done. And he's only level 6. So that gives you an idea of the difference that makes spending time doing the crafting and stuff. So, well, that's but, good. At least there's multiple pathways to success. Yeah. And that's what's great about Bethesda games is there's never like you know, one way to do things and you'll stumble upon things, do it. And then you, later on, you're going to, you'll find out that you probably could have done it a different way if you went about it, um, through a different experience. Like, um, I stumbled upon, uh, a dungeon, did it, killed, killed this chick. She had a name. I was like, Oh crap. I wonder if she was a boss, boss person. Well, then I was rifling through all her stuff, found out that her sister was kidnapped and she, they were holding her at this other um, building. And I was like, I wonder if I could could have rescued the sister, brought her sister here, and actually had these guys be friends instead of enemies. But I'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> that would. Be but it's nice. like it's like one of those things, and and that happens in Bethesda games. You know, like I've had that happen in other games. So that's why I'm like, I wonder if that could happen. So it, it totally could. I don't know yet. I I don't have that kind of. I don't have a confirmation on that, but but it's just why would they leave that kind of information laying around if there wasn't something that you could do about it, you know? But yeah. but it's just cool and to make you feel bad about what you've done. Yeah, and the, the way you can build your character is so different too. Like my mine is kind of like a jack of all trades with a little more focus on the crafting side of things because I knew that crafting was going to be something that it, I was really going to get into in the game. Um, so I want to make sure that I can, you know, when I deconstruct things, I get most of the material back. When I um, upgrade items, I get the most ability to upgrade it. So I wanted all that. 
And but so then my other things that suffer is my intelligence is a little bit lower because for some reason you don't have to be smart to be a crafter, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my intelligence is a little bit lower. Sense. Yeah, my charisma is a little bit lower, but then everything else is about midway. And um, so I'm good at combat. I'm not good at uh, at talking my way out of situations or you know getting people to tell me stuff. I usually end up getting people to fight me when I try to push them for information and stuff. So it kind of sucks in that regard. But then my friend who I was talking to, total different experience because he's the opposite. He has low combat scores, but really high. He's like eight intelligence starting the game, eight intelligence, which is insane. And so, and then his charisma, I think he said was seven. So, I mean, he's just able to, you know, talk his way out of anything. He can learn whatever he wants, like, crazy stuff there but then his you know there's he's not able to really specialize in any weapons because none of his weapon attributes are that high yet so so it's like a trade-off but you have a whole different experience because of it and it's awesome but it's one of those games though that if you have responsibility you have to let everybody know for the next day at least that you're going to be gone because it's one of those games that you just want you want to lose yourself in at least for a little bit just to get into it because it's such a great immersive world and everything has something to do like you do walk for a little bit it's not meant to be an action rpg by any means so there are points where quote-unquote it can get boring but um that really isn't a quote-unquote i guess but (laughs) but it, it can get boring uh you know because you're walking it can be five minutes sometimes before i run into an encounter but the world is so immersive and so beautiful that um, I don't care. Like, I'm checking out every little thing. And they have, like, these... You're in Boston for the game. And I'm on Xbox One, and I think it looks beautiful. On PC, I bet it's just gorgeous. Um, but uh, you're in Boston, so you have the ocean um, to the east of you. And every once in a while, you get these storms that roll in off of the ocean that are just full of radiation. But they are so beautiful. Like, I'll stand out there in the radiation just so I can see what it looks like. Because the the way the sun filters in through all the fog and stuff, and then the lightning, it has green lightning um, that hits everywhere. And, like, the way it sounds with the distant thunder. And, um, I mean, it's just, seriously, it's beautiful. I think I took a screenshot or a video of it earlier on my profile. But, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful game. But... So immersive, and yeah, highly recommend it. All right, nice. Yeah, and I don't have really, I mean, there's nothing really cool to tell about experience-wise, because I've honestly done so little compared to the whole scheme of things. But, uh, but it's I've only ex- entertained no matter what you do, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm always thinking about what I need. Like, I was telling you earlier... For some reason, the stuff, I have 5,000 wood and 5,000 uh, steel, but then I need screws and adhesive to build things, and I have like 30 screws and like uh, 25 adhesive material. Yeah, so it seems a little disproportionate. Yeah, so, so I'm always like thinking of where I need to go to get stuff, and when I find somewhere to, to do breakdowns and stuff, I'll do it just so I can get those things. But... But yeah, it's it is definitely entertaining, and you have your companions with you, which can be fun. And then 
Um, they let there's a computer companion. He's like a robotic butler, and they programmed a thousand different names. He actually can speak your name in the game, so he calls me Mister Dan. Um, so right, it's that's kind of pretty cool. Yeah, so it's kind of fun, like going out with him because he's like Mister Dan, uh, contact or Mister Dan. You know, like he'll call out my name and and say stuff. What's going on or um, on it, Dan, or you know, like just stuff like that. It's like really cool uh, the way they did that. But um, so there's that, and then you have another companion where uh, it's a dog, a German Shepherd that you find, um, and you can like find armor and collars for him. And then he, if you like give him a teddy bear in the trade menu, um, when you come out of it, he'll like chew it up and throw it in the air and stuff like that. Um, I haven't found wow. I, I haven't found any other type of toys I haven't to try with him yet to see if he has any other interaction there but so it's kind of cool with him and then um you can have the dog you can have him go and like uh sniff out for traps ahead of you so you can tell him to go to a door and he'll like sniff it out if there's a trap there like sit there and stare at it um instead of opening it so you know that there's something there uh stuff like that is pretty cool but uh and then you have another companion where He's like, uh, they call him Minutemen in the in the game. They're trying to bring Law and Order back to the wasteland. And um, he's pretty cool. So, yeah. There's just so much in the game to do. It's insane. And mechanically, uh, just a heads up, if you are using your hard drive from the Xbox One when you're playing, this is an issue that I guess has only been showing up on Xbox One that I haven't run into because I just got lucky and already had this happening, but on PlayStation 4 and PC, I guess there's still some issues, but overall it's running pretty good. But on Xbox One, there's a really bad stuttering problem, like where frames would just, like it would pause the game and then kick back in, which would be really disruptive for a game. Well, yeah, there's a frame rate drop on PS4 as well, but it was a lot worse on the Xbox One. But it yeah. was happening on both consoles. Okay. So what they said today, they came out and said, if you're using faster external hard drives, then the game won't do it. And and that's what I... I have an external hard drive, and uh, I never had any frame rate drops. I haven't, I've been playing now. I think today the time on there was a little over 26 hours. And um, so in 26 hours of playing the game, I've never had a frame rate drop. And I was like, where where is this coming from? Because I've never seen it happen. There's been not... The, the only glitch I ever happened was when I was fixing a set of power armor... Um, I came out of fixing it and then tried to put a the fuel source into the power armor at the same time. Kind of probably too quick for the game. I don't know. But it just stood there. Like, everything was still going on around me. So the game didn't completely freeze. It was just my character froze. So I had to re reload. But that's the only glitch I've run into for 26 hours. So it was like, I was just like, what's going on? Why is, why is this doing that? And then today they came out and said, don't, don't use your internal hard drive. Use the external. So just a heads up. If you guys have Xbox One. The more you know. Yeah. But so technically the game is running well and like a lot of a lot of Bethesda games, that's part of their reputation is they have, you know, glitches and they iron them out over time, but um but a lot of times the glitches are hilarious because it's a sandbox game, so you have crazy things like in Skyrim, people would fall out of the sky and they'd have, you know, like loot on them and stuff, so like people would fall out of the sky with loot and it was just a glitch. It was just wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. <laughs> um, 
Can or, I get an uh, It's Raining Men going on? Yeah. Dang it, I was actually about to break into that. <laughs> There's another glitch that was really funny, and I can't remember what it was for Skyrim, but but yeah, so I mean, Bethesda games are known for the glitches, so it's expected that Fallout 4 will have them, but I just haven't run into any that have been crazy. Actually, today I did run into another one. I took a video of it where my companion was swimming in midair as he was following me, so he was like, looked like he was trying to swim, even though we were up on land. It looked pretty funny, but but yeah, it's just glitches like that that are just weird, um, not game breaking, but yeah, very good RPG though. Yeah, definitely on my list. Yeah, yeah, for people that are have busy busy lives or kids, I just I would I wouldn't feel for them playing the game because. Once you start getting into stuff, you don't want to stop because there's so much you have to do. That, like for me, I'm just like, okay, I got to do this so I know where I'm at when I come back. Because if I don't, then you know I need to like, especially when I do loads where I'm getting all the stuff. And because you can put, you can take out and put items in containers in any container in the game, and it never disappears. So you don't have to worry about items disappearing on you if you load back into the game. So. Uh, the strategy I use is I'll load up my guy right my myself and my companion right up to the limit, and then I'll go to a uh, container that's at the it, at the spot where I can fast travel to, and I'll just load everything into that container, and then go back in and get the other stuff, and then keep doing that until I've um, pretty much uh, looted the whole area, and then I'll quick travel back because you can't quick travel if you have a full load or too full of a load. I'll quick travel back home, dump everything off, go back, pick it up, go back, and just rinse and repeat. So that takes a lot of time. But uh, but if you're if you're in the middle of that and I had to go and come back, who knows? If I was back at home, I'd probably forget that I had all that stuff back at the other container and then get playing a couple hours later and be like, oh, crap, I had all that stuff. Where was I? <laughs> so it's just stuff like that. You don't want to lose track. and So, but it is worth playing, though. It is amazing. I'm really excited. It it got the record for most concurrent Steam players. Um, and uh, within a day on PC, one day of the game being out, players already put in 14.5 million hours into the game. And that was PC alone, correct? That was PC alone, yeah. Holy so cow. I, so it's it's a huge game and uh they were Skyrim is Bethesda's most successful game so far. I think it was uh sitting at like twenty five million cells. I, I think it was either twenty one point five million or twenty five million. I can't remember which, but it was still over twenty million cells for Skyrim. And they said that a lot of that success came because when it came out, it was during a dry spell on the last gen consoles. And so it kinda Came at just the right time, no competition or anything. And so, but they said that Fallout 4, you know, with all the competition this fall and stuff, um, they don't expect it to do as well as Skyrim, but it could still be a huge sell for them. I'm guessing it's doing way, way better than they thought. But usually when a game takes over everything, like message boards, and you see almost just a blanket of enthusiasm, there's almost very few naysayers in that group. Can, you can probably expect a game to do really well. Probably a small percentage of gamers that don't enjoy the type of game that Fallout is. Like people who hate fun. Yes. <laughs> and it could be, I mean, there could be legitimately people that like them, but 
have to avoid them because of time. Because seriously, it's insane how much time you can put into the games like this. And with Fallout 4, it's their first game where they're not putting a level cap on the game. So you can level up as much as you want. And there's no ending to the game. There's a, you can always do questing. And so... Wow. Yeah, so I mean, with that, you know there's going to be people that are going to be, you know, trying to hit limits and... Well, yeah, you figure it's got to stop somewhere, right? Yeah, they said they said unlimited. It never ends. I, I don't know what that means, because it could be like, okay, we have unlimited, but we have these 20 side quests that just keep showing up in, in a certain order, you know? So, mm-hmm. so that could be, I mean, that could be as basic as it is, but... Essentially, it's still there giving you XP. Well, that's kind of what uh, World of Warcraft ended up being. Um, they, you know, they have their story quests to get you through, but then once you get to the level cap, uh, what they would do is they would have the daily quest feature where you went and you did the same quest every day. Yep, Hopefully, daily. it's not that monotonous, but yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, programming, I mean, there is a limit there to, for, you know, infinite gameplay, but, but you'd think they'd have, like, a loop, at least. And with the game being so big, I mean, there's enough quest givers, that loop could be really big. So, you know, it'd take a while to see that loop so often, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, with Fallout 3, I went on the map, I went to the, the one corner, and... Um, went east to west up and down the map so I could discover every area in the game. And then, uh, so with this one, I'm going to do that once I, you know, once I do some of the questing and exploration. But it'll be interesting to see after doing that how much, how much the game gives you to do, like, actual content and stuff. But they're, they're also usually really good with uh, substantial DLC for their games, so... I'll be interested to see what they do too. Definitely. Um, did you guys have Sounds any more? Sounds pretty good. Um, do yeah. you guys have any more games you wanted to cover at the moment? No, those are the big no, ones. Not games, oh, no. yeah, I was going to say uh, I was looking on True Achievements, and the True Achievement score for Fallout 4 right now is 31,000 gamer score. Jeez. <laughs> Insane. One of the achievements is worth uh, six thousand or something like that. Ah, oh, that's crazy. But so anyway, um, we can't talk too much about Battleborn because there is a pretty strict non-disclosure agreement. But they don't—I don't believe they say we can't say that we're playing it, unlike some other games we're in the alpha and beta of. Um, but Battleborn, I really enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately, the game is getting delayed till, if I remember correctly, June. It was supposed to be coming out, I want to say, the second week of February, and now it is being delayed till June. Uh, but definitely, I have, I've been having fun in the, in the beta for that. Um, what did you think of that, Dan? Yeah, I liked, I liked what I saw. Um, the, uh, I'm more, more excited for the co-op campaign. I was glad they had one of the levels um, in the beta to try out, but um, yeah, I, I would agree. Although I would say that I the uh, the 
they say don't call it a MOBA, but it felt like a MOBA. That was actually probably the most enjoyable of any of the MOBAs that I've ever played. Yes, um, that's I, yeah. Can we talk? I, we can't go into specifics, right? No, no, we can't go into specifics. Without, yeah, without going to specifics, they do a different take on the MOBA multiplayer in a way that it makes it to me makes it more interesting. I I really liked it. It surprised me actually because I'm not a MOBA person at all. Yeah, so definitely it was a lot of fun. My one concern is, um, given some things that Randy Pitchford said on his personal Twitter account and then Gearbox tweeted moments later, um, he said something along the lines of, um, you know, we we can only do what we are. We're Gearbox. That's who we are. So my guess, he, they said that right before they announced that they were um, – delaying the release of the game so my assumption is that people were complaining it's too much like borderlands blah 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 it's the same game blah it was fun it didn't feel exactly like borderlands there were elements that could be comparable but those were good things and again i can't get too much into specifics but um since there are some public aspects that are being talked about publicly, uh, if, if people's complaint was that it was too much like Borderlands, I'd say that's not a problem that I'm concerned with. Yep. I agree. The gameplay was so smooth. I was so happy about that. Well, Borderlands was a fun game, so it was. why would it be bad? <laughs> yeah. It's like Borderlands. And if humor is a problem, why would humor be bad? Yep. <laughs> games must be serious all the time no fun is allowed it's a game yes exactly games equals not fun definitely yeah people can be weird about that stuff but... very weird um so i'm not too interested in this yet but nintendo has announced uh made some specific announcements about some of their free-to-play games uh for mobile um, and as I just said, they are all supposed to be free to play. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some heavy monetization of microtransactions and other things. Um, <clears throat> Amiibo. Um, because surely Nintendo would never do anything like preying upon people's addictive tendencies and collect desire to be collectors. No, they would never do such a thing. Yeah. Um, that doesn't yes. sound like Nintendo at all. Nope. Uh, so expect some Nintendo games on mobile next year. Hopefully they'll be good, and hopefully that will allow some of us who do not have a Wii U and aren't getting one the chance to play some of the classic franchises that we know and love. Um, I don't believe they've announced any games for the classic franchises that we know and love, but one can one can always hope that there will be those and that they'll be good. <laughs> well, speaking of classic games, I actually saw something. Um, it was for the. Uh, it was mentioned with the Oculus Rift and uh, Samsung's new VR headset, and one of their first experiences that they're going to bring out with it is like a virtual arcade where you are the player and it's like you're standing in front of the arcade playing. Like, Sonic the Hedgehog, I think, was the one that they showed in the picture. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah. I can't remember what the other ones were that they mentioned, but that seems to be their like their first big push for, for gaming content, is to revive some of those older games 
in a new and interesting way. So I thought that was pretty cool. And you can download the games for free, but every time you die, you have to put in 25 cents. <laughs> yes, you have to stick 25 cents into your your uh, your uh, Oculus Rift headset. <laughs> you know, that in, in some ways, you could argue that arcades were kind of the first free-to-play game, because you never yeah. had to buy the game, but uh, you had to buy your lives. That is for <laughs> sure. You You make a very good comparison there, Dave. I, I don't remember if they specifically said any kind of monetizing, how they were going to monetize it, but I would assume it's like you buy the the game as the experience, and the experience has multiple games within it, you know? Yeah, I would assume so. Um, well, Xbox did an arcade, and I did not like how they did it. They had, you basically, you bought the arcade itself was free, as in there's an arcade building in a mall type thing and there's multiple floors but each game cost money um and for for those who are concerned about achievements literally the second you you entered the game it gave you an achievement so that if you're an achievement person who's focused on completion percentage you're hosed into buying games to boost the completion percentage you shouldn't get an achievement Ouch. just for loading up a game um there were some good ones on that but not enough that I ever wanted to pay for any of them but anyway, on another one, um, the last one I have in terms of for games, this is one that could be very, very good. J.J. Abrams. I'm pretty sure the man does not sleep. But J.J. <laughs> Abrams is working with Chair Entertainment on a new espionage game called Spy Jinx. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Chair Entertainment, um, those uh, it was founded by some of the people involved in making Advent Rising, which is one of my favorite games of all time. It did have some issues, but the plot was fantastic. Music was fantastic. The idea was fantastic. So they did Advent Rising, which was based on a screenplay by Orson Scott Card. Um, then as Chair Entertainment, um, they made Shadow Complex and also the Infinity Blade games. Um, so they've shown that they can make some really good games, um, and J.J. Abrams is J.J. Abrams. Um, hopefully in a month's time we won't be cursing his name. Uh, but I am definitely very interested in, in uh, the new espionage game Spy Jinx that they've announced today. That's cool. When is it supposed to come out? Um, I believe 2017. Let me see if I can look it up. I have it open on one of my browsers on my Kindle. There will be an early beta in 2016. doesn't say when in 2016, but there will be an early beta sometime in 2016, so it will probably be released in 2017. Most likely. So that's that's one I'm definitely interested in for down the road. Um, and hopefully it'll be halfway decent. Uh, this is never going to happen, but in the mode of how they're rebooting so many movies, often ones that weren't even good, um, Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would really love to see a well-made version of Advent Rising because the voice acting was good, the music was fantastic, the story was fantastic, um, the graphics weren't too great and there were some issues on the xbox version the pc version didn't have a lot of the little glitchiness that the xbox version had um but if you could find a copy of advent rising for pc i would highly recommend going back and playing with it i don't care that's probably 15 years old it was a great game and if you could find it now, you could probably find it for cheap 
Um, who voiced the main character in that? Do you know? Um, I do not know. Um, while I'm looking it up, um, I personally think that uh, the character of Peter Petrelli was kind of based on the main character in Advent Rising, especially as when they uh, finished season one of Heroes. Um, basically, Peter's character in the final shot, uh, well, they're in the future in the season one of Heroes, looks almost identical to... Um, some of the poses that uh, the main character on Advent Rising uh, was in. Will Friedel, which I believe was one of the characters from Boy Meets World. Let me click on it real quick. Yes. Um, uh, he was also on Kim Possible. Uh, he does the voice of Star-Lord Peter Quill on the Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy TV series. Oh, He's okay. done a lot of voice acting. Um Speaking of Kim Possible, I actually really enjoyed that cartoon back when I it remember was on. that. And he plays the the character of Ron. So if you guys watched that, you know, back when you were younger, that's that's what he sounds like. Yeah, he's done a ton of voice acting more than like the last time I looked it up was probably about three or four years ago. But yeah, Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy, Marvel's Avengers Assemble, um, he's Bumblebee on some of the Transformers TV series. Uh, he does the voice of Nightwing on Batman Unlimited. Um, and he was Green Arrow on the Green Arrow TV series, which mm. I don't know. There must have been a cartoon. Anyway, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a good game. I recommend it. Five yeah. thumbs up. I would love to see a sequel to that. I just, yep. Why'd you only give it five thumbs, Dave? Don't you have at least seven? I do. Uh, yeah, but I don't want to pull those ones out. Did Did he ever <laughs> expand the universe with more books or anything, or did it? Did Advent Rising as a whole just kind of die? As far as I know, it just kind of died. Um, I know Shadow Complex had a book series going along with that, but I never heard anything about a book series going along with Advent Rising. Yeah, yeah my, I think I think the big ones I'm I'm looking forward to. I mean, it's hard to look forward to anything right now because we have so many good games right now. Between, um, you know, from last month to this month and I mean it's just been a flood of games but um but uh Rainbow Six um Siege comes out December 1st along with Just Cause 3 and uh yeah those are both pretty big games uh I am interested to see how they do since they're coming out with a crowded fall and um but on their own now uh yeah those are probably the two last big releases of the year, I think. Rainbow. Oh, uh, with Rainbow, the backwards compatibility update hits tomorrow. So we could play some Rainbow Six Vegas 2. Ooh, yes. To lead up to Siege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like games that are fun and tactical. Yeah. Make you think too much. Yeah, I just like to run around and shoot things. Fast. <laughs> and then respawn two seconds later because I ran into a group of seven people and they killed me. Yeah. Which they shouldn't have been allowed to do in the first place, in my opinion. No, they should not. 
Yeah, I'm really excited for uh, Siege. The beta just blew me away. I'm really excited for the co-op on there. I, I do wish that... I mean, it's been a long time, but I do wish SWAT. I wish... Uh, oh, man. I think Sierra was the publisher of the SWAT games back in the day. I'm not sure who owns the rights, and that might be why we haven't got one forever. Um, but SWAT was a lot like uh, Classic Rainbow, but it continued to be like Classic Rainbow, Rainbow longer than Rainbow did um, with the planning phases and stuff like that. Um, it'd be amazing to have that. SWAT and age. 4 was published by Irrational Games, or developed by Irrational Games, published by De- Vivendi. Vivendi, maybe that's what I'm thinking of, not Sierra. So that would be Activision probably has the rights to SWAT then. Well, unless... Unless they kept rights when when uh, Activision broke off from them, I guess. It just depends. Yeah, who knows. But, yeah, it'd be great to see SWAT make a comeback and keep the hardcore tactical nature of the game, because uh, they rivaled Rainbow for the tactical style of gameplay. It'd be amazing, freaking amazing, to have a modern-day No One Lives Forever. I don't know if you guys ever played those games. I did, I did not. Oh. Back in the day, they were amazing. And it was right around when Austin Powers was really popular, when the first one came out. And it definitely carried that humor. Um, it was a female protagonist. And the humor was great. The graphics for the time were great. The gadgets he had were great. It was almost like a perfect dark mixed with um, mixed with more humor than serious seriousness. But, oh, that's... That's a franchise that just would be amazing to see him do on new new technology. They should definitely look up videos of no one those forever. Good stuff. Yeah. But I, but I think I actually thinking about it. I think it was the same people that did that owned SWAT owned no one lives forever. So I'm guessing because no one lives forever, the reason why no one's making those games is because it got lost in the shuffle somewhere. Um. So nobody really knows where the rights are for it, like who has them legally. Oh. And so, so I'm guessing that it's the same situation with SWAT, because I do, I do think it's the same. Look up. Oh, oh yeah, Sierra, Sierra did do SWAT 4. Okay. Well, I don't know, I don't remember the details of it, but there's some, Congress recently passed something that basically enabled, they loosened some restrictions on some things, including things like abandonware. And so depending mm. on – that might make it more possible for people to re- release things. I am generally not a huge fan of people remaking movies because you could see the originals. They're in a for- – generally speaking, most movies are in a format where we can still see them, whereas the video games, a lot of times, whether it's for an old console that may be defunct or you can't find the cartridge anymore mm-hmm. or um, if it's on PC but it was designed for Windows 95 and won't work <laughs> on new stuff, you know, as much as I love new games coming out and new experiences, I wouldn't mind – I wouldn't mind some game remakes as much as I mind some movie remakes. Um, yeah. I because... remember the ruling that you were talking about, Dave, and it had something to do with online games. Like, it was a 
game that you couldn't play unless you linked to an online server. I think there were there were a lot of restrictions to it. Oh, but, it, co- um, it covered a lot of different topics. Um, I can't remember what I, I oh, should, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, it was the same publisher for No One Lives Forever and SWAT. Um, but Monolith made the No One Lives Forever games. That's crazy. Monolith did the uh, Fear games, if you guys remember those. I think it was Monolith. Crap, now I'm questioning myself. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't remember if I ever played them. Probably not. But uh, yeah, saying, no one lives forever. No one lives forever. Yes, they did do Fear. Uh, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor as well. Uh, that Mono- yep. Okay. It was Monolith. That one I heard about. I never got to play it, but I heard. I remember hearing about that one. Yes, the Shadow, uh, Middle uh, Mordor, Shadows of Middle Earth, mm-hmm, Middle yeah. Earth, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, it's supposed to be absolutely fantastic. I haven't, I haven't played it yet, but I've heard only great things about it. That's yeah, good. I, I like the Lord of the Rings universe, and having it in a sandbox setting was great. I wish they would have used a more. Uh, I mean might have been hard to with the story they were trying to tell but uh it would have been nice to have like at least one familiar setting like you know the white city or is that what it's called right <laughs> i'm so yeah. tired Minas Tirith. Um, yeah Minas Tirith. um have that as a setting as a setting in a sandbox game would be freaking amazing but um like having having or think in in minecraft Yep, I have an ore tank in Minecraft. <laughs> you know, i i read the uh, I read the books, of course, and I watched the movies. I really don't understand what the city planners were thinking when they made Minas Tirith. I mean, <laughs> the city is basically vertical. Yeah, how are you going to get around in that without elevators? Now, come on, stop being lazy, boy. <laughs> I Pull mean, my card up this hill. <laughs> everybody in that entire freaking city has got to have thighs as thick as a tree trunk. Thighs <laughs> and calves. No other. You, you know, uh, on my mission, I, I served in a city called Valparaiso, which um, for all intents and purposes is a South American San Francisco in in a variety of ways. Um and the hills were just so steep there. And yes, um, I, by the end of the time, we didn't do normal weightlifting or exercise, but we walked a lot everywhere. By the time I finished in that area, because I did no arm <laughs> exercises, I felt like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Just <laughs> gigantic thighs and tiny, spindly, worthless little arms. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I have pictures. <laughs> Now I want to see those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, what movies have you guys seen lately? None. I'm going to need a nothing. I was reading somewhere that um, the last two weeks of October were like the worst two weeks of the whole yeah. year. Um, well, for new movies, maybe, a lot but of it bombs. is October. Um and it is Halloween, uh, so I introduced my and kids Halloween to Ghostbusters. Was on Saturday, so that was a huge hit. Yes, um, I introduced my kids to Ghostbusters. Uh, they absolutely loved it, and my son actually was dressed up as a Ghostbuster for Halloween. So that was no awesome. No way, that is awesome. Um, 
And so, aside from that, I watched uh, with my wife uh, The House on Haunted Hill. Um, not the 1999 version that most people are familiar with, but the old 1959 version. Um, it had Vincent Price. It had uh, a couple other big actors in it. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was quite terrible. Um, I wouldn't say it was quite fantastic either. But it had Vincent Price, so that was good. Um, and I think I got my wife into a little bit of a kick, so then we subsequently watched uh, House of the Long Shadows, which was a 1983 movie. Um, it had Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, uh, John Carradine, and several other people. Um, wow. That's quite the list. The cast was about the only good thing about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some of the actors did put in fairly decent performances, uh, but Desi Arnaz Jr., not the Desi Arnaz from I Love Lucy, but I'm assuming it's his son. Uh, he was awful. The plot was pretty bad. Um, there were some things that happened at the end that kind of redeemed the plot, and I'm not going to go into details about it. Um I would not suggest watching the movie, but it does have a cool cast. But uh, I don't know. I think you'd be safe to do spoilers. I'm pretty sure thirty odd years is, is enough to nullify the need for a spoiler alert. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dan just sent a message, and I had to look at it, and I can move. Okay, so I will give us. Uh, I will spoil it a little bit. So. The the main, several of the aspects of the plot are fairly contrived. Um, basically, mm-hmm. the plot is there's a, the beginning of the movie. There's a writer who's talking with his publicist, and they make a <coughs> bet that he can write um, a book along the style of Wuthering Heights in 24 hours. He says it's drivel. I could put that out in 24 hours. So instead of just going, locking himself in his house or going to a hotel or someplace without distractions, he asks for a place without distractions, and then the guy sets him up with, or sets him up in a place in Wales that's been abandoned for 40 years, and he gets there, and it's not so abandoned after all, and hijinks ensue and anyway um <laughs> that does sound ridiculous on its face yes about five minutes before the movie ends there are in the space of about one or two minutes there are four or five major plot twists um, the person who you think is supposed to be the villain isn't the villain. One of the good one of the guys you think is the good guy isn't actually the villain. But the person you think the villain is still trying to kill everybody anyway. Um, and and then you realize that, and then you find out that um, it was never really happening. The publicist had just hired a bunch of actors to trick the author that he was going to be killed and all this stuff was going on. And then you find out that that wasn't real either. That was all just part of the story. And the guy finished the story in 24 hours. And then you realize (laughs) that one of the characters from the story suddenly appears 
as a his romance interest from the story appears as a romance interest and has the same name except it's a different last name and it's uh, <laughs> and that was all about in the space of one or two minutes well that sounds exhausting to be sure but it had a good cast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so that's what I've seen lately. It's not new, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's good, but it, they were movies. <laughs> I did, uh, however, see the Warcraft trailer, which, uh, in terms of the actual quality, it might not have had many big names to it, but uh, the the production value, they probably spent more on that trailer than they did on either of those movies. <laughs> oh my word. Yes, I watched the Warcraft trailer too with uh and I have always been a World of Warcraft fan. I played it I fell in love with it the instant I played it. Um, you know, I lost interest after a while, of course, but I still kind of follow it a little bit. And so I was really excited to hear that this movie was actually getting made because it had been teased and teased and there had been scripts and you know, possible directors and blah, 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 blah for years and years. And now to have something concrete, uh, that's really exciting for me. Uh, When I watched the trailer, I was actually pleasantly surprised because there were a lot of ways that a, you know, video game to movie can go bad. And it's kind of hard to tell if it's something directly out of the lore that's already been established or if it's something... Uh, where they're they're taking bits and pieces from the lore and making kind of an alternate universe thing, but it definitely looks like it has a a good story behind it. Well, and it it is in the running for. I mean, it's hard to say based on a trailer, but it could be the best video game movie that we've seen. Um, now, granted, I was saying that about Prince of Persia before I actually saw Prince of Persia. Uh, so it can go downhill quite fast. Um, but (laughs) for me, seeing the trailer reminded me a little bit of the Halo movie. Now you say the Halo movie and you ask, you might ask, am I talking about, um, the miniseries that they had? No, I'm talking about the unmade Halo movie that had Peter Jackson as executive producer and Neil Bloomkamp as director. And they were signed on. The only thing that killed it was basically the distributors. Uh, I believe it was Fox and Universal. Um, I don't remember which was doing the domestic distribution, which was international, but they wanted more creative control and they wanted the cut, uh, more of a cut of the money. Um, and so it all fell apart. But can you imagine a Halo movie with Peter Jackson and Neil Bloomkamp? Yes. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would have been amazing. I'm I'm hoping the Warcraft movie can, can you know I don't know the names who are attached to it yet, but hopefully it can deliver a good video game movie that would enable better video game movies to be made. Yeah, Assassin's Creed is getting a pretty big budget for that, so hopefully that I mean I don't big budgets don't mean good, but hopefully that means they're putting some you know thought behind it. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean. When I think back about video game movies, probably the best one ended up being one that I didn't like at first, Resident Evil. As far as a, you know, a video game 
to movie transition. I think it was terrible. It has almost nothing to do with the video game. But going back and watching that movie, it was still a good movie that it was still fun to watch, even if it didn't have hardly anything to do with the actual game besides a couple of names, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I think that's good, though. Like, I think that's what hurts a lot of video game movies a lot of times is they don't have to do it like the video game. It's the universe that people like. They need to make it fit. The, they need to make it fit cinema, cinema, uh, cinema <laughs> instead of making it try to be a video game on screen. Like, I think mm-hmm. the, I think it's better to do that instead of trying to meet that expectation because the universe is what people are drawn to. That's what keeps people going. So you just need to take that universe yeah. and apply it. And that's to the what game. happened with the Batman, the last Batman trilogy too. They they took the universe. But they applied smart movie making to it as well, and that's yep. why it turned out so well. Yeah, and I I think that's absolutely the way to go um, because most video games don't have a whole lot of plot. They're designed around gameplay, and there is plot. Unlike Steven Spielberg and George Lucas recently said that there's absolutely no plot in video games, um, but the plot is designed around gameplay. And so it's not designed around a movie, which is there's no interaction there. Um, so I think putting it in the universe is a good thing. And even for video games, I think that's a good idea. For example, with Star Wars, Star Wars is is an awesome universe. And you could put games that are centered around um, the main movie storyline. And Battlefront does a good job of that. But Battlefront is all gameplay. It's just said in that. But in terms of storytelling, I think where the universe comes in is if you look at Knights of the Old Republic, it's set in the Star Wars universe, but is completely removed from everything we know. It's thousands of years before. And so they could be in that universe and do something completely different. And I think that's that satisfied what a lot of Star Wars fans wanted of being a part of that universe, but they didn't have to touch... Luke or Han or Leia exactly. or any of they them. They didn't need to worry about, you know, messing up established characters. They could literally just create their own. And so I think I think Dan, what you said is absolutely right. That just do it in the universe. You don't have to have the characters. Um and but just do it well. I I think I'm not saying this would hold up by today's standards, but I think the best video game or the video game movie that I enjoyed the most is one that I haven't seen since I was a kid or a teenager but uh there was a one Mortal Kombat movie that was actually pretty decent yeah which um, one the first one or the second one um I want to say it was probably the first one I think it's the first one that is on Netflix by the way at, at least that's the one I recently if it's on Netflix I might have to watch it again. so you said you did watch it recently mm-hmm does it hold up at all? Yes. It is not like, you know, a great movie, but it's still a good movie. And for what they had with at the time, um, Goro, of course, he had four arms, which is a huge technical challenge. And while some of his, you know, some of his facial expressions and stuff did look a little puppet. He, he looked almost claymation in some of the shots. <laughs> I yeah. think he might have been. But overall, <laughs> I think they did a good job with him. And 
and the storyline itself except for a couple you know like why are these two people just randomly fighting where did this come from <laughs> the storyline itself is is pretty true to the video game and it holds up good in a movie too yep yeah the way they did it they weren't afraid to kill kill characters either the a lot of a lot of uh, people doing a movie would be afraid to kill popular characters or whatnot any other movies or anything on any other topics that you guys wanted to bring in? Oh, let's see. The last movie I went and saw was The Martian, which we already talked about. Um, Star Wars is, of course, coming up. What was the other one that I was looking forward to? Um, oh, it was my son. He wants to go and see the Peanuts movie. And, I mean, I was never, like, a huge Charlie Brown fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I grew up with it, and I did enjoy it while I was growing up. And, you know, I still remember the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And they it's so iconic that my store even sells the little wilted Christmas tree with the orange <laughs> nice. falling over. Yeah, that's how iconic that image was. I really so, wanted those for one of my office in grad school. I wanted that droopy tree with like a one ornament <laughs> hanging from the top of it well you can get them at cbs pharmacy i don't think i'm going to go and see it in the theater with my son we'll have to see how the the next couple of weeks pan out what with christmas and thanksgiving everything coming up but it's definitely on my to watch list at some point because it you know it's one of those kind of tradition things where it was a big thing in my generation and now it's back to be in my son's generation and overall it was a very you know they had problems but they they worked them out like you know he, they were always pos optimistic about it even though charlie brown is like you know uh everybody's punching bag he still remained positive Oh, it was so sad. He never got to kick the football. Actually, he did get to kick the football once. No he way. Did. He did get to kick it, but um, it was when he was invisible, and no one could see him actually kick it. And so even though they saw the ball go flying, Lucy never fessed up to it. So even though he got <laughs> to kick it, he never got to enjoy the fact that he kicked it. <laughs> That's a very Peanuts thing to do, yes. Yeah, a, a year or two ago I bought like the box set of um, the Christmas special, the Halloween one. The, I think there are like two Thanksgiving ones um, and then some extras. And yeah, I think that was on one one of the two Thanksgiving movies. And uh, But at least he got to finally kick the football. See, now what I'm hoping for, and from what the reviews and stuff that I've seen, I don't think this is going to be a problem. Like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Okay, I grew up with Alvin and the Chipmunks, the cartoons, and I was a huge fan of those when I was a kid. So Alvin and the Chipmunks, the movies start coming out now, and I was so disappointed in those. Yeah. They were – the first one was was pretty bad. The second one was a disaster, and the third one was an abomination. 
the fourth one came out recently, and I actually told my son, no, we're not going to go and watch that movie <laughs> because he wanted to go see it. There was no way I was sitting through another Alvin and the Chipmunks atrocity. <laughs> so yeah. if the Peanuts can hopefully, uh, if this is you know like the start of a reboot of their franchise or something like that, hopefully they do it better than some of the other ones that have gone before because it's you know you grow up with it and you you love it because it's a part of who you were almost you know a lot of the your life lessons you started learning about in these cartoons and if you know it feels good to share that with the next generation as long as it's a good product on that note if anyone has michael bay's address and could either give that to us or drop a flaming bag of something on his porch. <laughs> that would be fantastic. What did you do this time? <laughs> what does anybody need an excuse besides any of the Transformers movies to drop? Twenty years of Transformers, of... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he'll he'll add in something next. He'll probably be the one with the He Man movie that they're working on. Well, he's doing he's doing that uh, Benghazi movie. I haven't heard oh, anything yeah, of it supposed to be good or not. That's not taking a dump on my childhood memories, at least. Oh, my yeah. word. I <clears throat> I am going to go and see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I actually the might see the second one. I, I know, I mean, I knew going to watch the first one that I was going to be bad. And I went into the theater expecting that, but I could not help myself. It's Teenage Mutant freaking Ninja Turtles. But... As a whole, it wasn't really bad. The only bad thing about the movie was freaking um, Megan Fox. Fox. Yeah, she she single handedly almost ruined the movie for me. But um, but as far as the rest of the movie, I thought it was you know pretty decent. I mean, it is based on a kids' cartoon, so there's only so much they can do. But yeah, I agree with you on Megan Fox. She did not do well in that movie, and I didn't like the end. The whole I'm gonna take over. You know, I'm going to poison everybody and then sell them back the antidote and make money that way. It seemed a little far-fetched to me. Well, if you um, can tell me it's better than Masters of the Universe, then I'll probably watch it. I would say that it's better than Masters of the Universe. It is an enjoyable ride. And getting, you know, there's a lot of action and a lot of good jokes. Will Arnett is in it, and he is actually fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, he's really good. but, he has to play off of Megan Fox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to go see the second one. Hopefully it's better than the first one. But again, with Michael Bay, I, I, I don't hold my breath anymore. Flaming bags, people. Flaming bags. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, on that note, uh, unless anyone has anything else... Um, we, I didn't see exactly when we started, but I think we are under the two-hour mark, which for us is absolutely fantastic. Yay. Um, we are fairly close to rolling out a couple of new podcasts, one of which would be a TV-focused podcast, uh, probably having Dan and one or two people who watch TV more than some of the rest of us. Um, I did actually watch a new TV show I started. It's a Netflix original and it's based on uh, some. Uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get people mad at me if I say it wrong. I think it's a Magna, and it's called Seven Deadly Sins. 
mm-hmm. not pretty recently oh. on Netflix. It's an enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I show. just added that on my list, actually. Yes, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's got a lot of the the typical Asian humor, where you know the guy looking up the girl's skirt is supposed to be absolutely hilarious for some reason. It's just, <laughs> the bloody noses every time they get turned on. <laughs> oh man, I, yeah, I, I don't get that. That's the kind of humor that they put in. Right. But the action scenes are pretty cool, and the story so far has been uh, has been enjoyable. My wife watched every 20, it's like 24 episodes. She watched all of them in the space of about three days. I'm on episode five. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you'll be able to binge watch Jessica Jones in a week and a day. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, But another thing that we might, we've been debating as a podcast is possibly Netflix dumpster diving. And we might do that either either as a podcast or as something where we all get into either Skype or TeamSpeak and just watch the movie together. But just find some random thing that's off the beaten path on Netflix and pray that it's not awful as we watch it. (laughs) I am actually pretty excited for that one. Um, I think that that has the potential. There's a lot of fun there. Yes, like uh, the house on the long sh- house of the long shadows, like that one wasn't. <laughs> but if we had a group together tearing it apart, that could be kind of fun. Oh, yes, and we could also, you know, maybe submit that as our to the Kickstarter for Mystery Science Theater three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> nice, we've come full circle. <laughs> And that's the podcast thing. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night, everybody.